Everyone, this is Scott McNamara back with a new episode with What's New in Adapted Physical Education. Uh, this is a uh, great episode, and I just was telling our guest, Dr. Seth Jenny from Slippery Rock University, who's going to come on and talk a little bit about his textbook. Uh, and he's going to talk about technology and physical education, which is very relevant right now because of COVID. Uh, but I was just telling him I also today got a, um, was told that I have to quarantine myself for two weeks. So maybe by the time this comes out, I will, it'll, most of that will be done and hopefully I'll still be well. I had a, a very brief encounter with somebody that did have a positive test. Uh, hopefully I'm going to be okay though. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm glad we're doing this through the internet then. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, <laughs> Seth, uh, yeah, thank you for coming on. Uh, I want you to tell me, just let's start out with just, I want you to tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, it's not like, it sounds like you have an interesting role from some of our guests at Slippery Rock University. Uh, so why don't we just t- t- tell me a little bit about um, yourself and how you got to the role that you're at at Slippery Rock. Sure. So, um, yeah, again, my name is Dr. Seth Jenny. I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Exercise and Rehabilitative Sciences at Slippery Rock University of Pennsylvania. It's about 50 miles north of Pittsburgh. Um, I, my undergrad was from Slippery Rock, K through 12 health and PE dual teaching certification. Um, and I taught, uh, <clears throat> middle school health and PE, elementary PE, high school health. Um, so I've, I've been in the trenches there. Uh, previously I taught at, in the department of health, ex- health exercise and sports science at the university of New Mexico. Um, taught a lot of activity classes there, as well as Pete methods courses there. Um, and then I moved on to, uh, that's where I earned my doctoral degree in curriculum and instruction focused on Pete pedagogy. Um, and then I moved, my first uh, uh, assistant professor position was at Winthrop University, where I taught um, physical education, teacher education, methods courses. And um, my... I guess it was my, my second semester there uh, back in 2014, um, I was tasked with teaching a class called technology and physical education. And that they just wanted me to create that new class. You know, this is the, the new guy in the department, you know, he's younger, right? So he should know about technology. So we'll give this class to you. And I was actually all for it. Um, and, uh, I'm actually, my, my mother was an elementary education professor and my father was a computer science professor. So they spawned um, a uh, physical education technology uh, baby. And, and I, yeah, so I was the result of that. Um, I also taught, uh, created and taught computer applications in sport and fitness administration. So for sport management majors at Winthrop. And I also created another course called Technology for Coaches and Physical Educators as a um, grad uh, level um, summer class. And so, yeah, that's how I sort of got into the technology piece of um, physical education. I think that's awesome, Um, as well as it sounds interesting how you got into it, because it sounds like you kind of got into it more uh, in in, um, the college level. Uh, And then, you know, yeah, that's awesome, though. And and. You know, I, I, 
I'm sometimes looked at as like this technology guru of PE and <laughs> you I have a podcast. So I know that's, that's, that's there you some go. Technology. That's, so, so that's, that's the thing, right? <laughs> I have a podcast, but people don't realize I shouldn't tell everyone cause I'll start making it, but like how easy it is to make a podcast. Um, you know, I'm not going to say like, I'm, I have no skills with technology, but I was tasked also at my uh, university to teach a technology and physical education course. And uh, one of the things that I realized quickly as I even contacted human kinetics uh, like two years ago. And uh, I said, Hey, do you have a textbook on technology and PE? Cause I am struggling to find anything. And they, I think they told me that they recently had somebody. And I think that person mm -hmm. was you who is creating yeah, the textbook. Right. Uh, and they're, you know, they're explaining to me too, that it was a difficult thing cause it's always changing, uh, which it is. But, you know, I think, um, you know, I, being somebody that was able to look and review your book, um, you know, I, I found that there was a lot of main, you know, things I think that will be consistent for the next 10, 15, 20 years, probably, uh, that sure. you cover in your textbook, because it's not just examples, it's kind of, how do we use it? So, uh, so with that, though, so you, so you recently, uh, I think it came out maybe earlier this year, you have a textbook called Technology for Physical Educators, Health Educators, and Coaches, that came out through human kinetics. Mm -hmm. So do you want to talk, let's, let's dive into that textbook. Cause again, I think that textbook is really, really important, especially now in our field that honestly has very little resources, especially from textbooks and research sure, articles and, and that stuff on this, this topic. Yes, and, and if we're being honest, there's there are people that are anti-technology in our field as well. I mean, uh, depending upon um, what type of technology it is. Um, yeah, I mean, and so back when I started teaching that class at Winthrop University, um, it, you know, you're a professor, so you know that there's these book salesmen that come around and they'll shoot you an email and they'll say, hey, I'm going to be in in at on your campus if if you'd like to meet with me let me know so um i had a human kinetic sales rep um come into my office and i that's what i told him this was back in yeah 2013 2014 actually and uh i said hey i'm teaching this class i've looked at the books out there there is a um a couple of books they're outdated when they're in print or they they're workbooks, but they're not textbooks. So there's a few that are out there that is sort of like, um, hey, uh, it goes, it's project-based. So there's um, actually one of my colleagues, Joanne Light, has a great technology book out there, but um, it, it's not comprehensive in the sense of covering so many different aspects of technology and the research behind the use of it as well. It's more of how do you use a heart rate monitor? And then here's a project like an assignment to do. And then it moves on to the next, next piece of technology. And the way that we wanted to um, structure this book was to not focus on the piece of technology, but to focus on what is the use of the technology and then write a chapter about the types of technology that you can use to accomplish that specific task. So for example, one of our chapter names is communication technology. And so, how, you know, when you're communicating with your class, with parents, with athletes, what types of technology might you use for that? And so we go through the different types of it. And so it, it was a real struggle 
to set up the outline of the textbook. Um, I want give a shout out to my co-authors, uh, Jennifer Krause from uh, University of Northern Colorado and um, Tess Armstrong from Grand Valley State um, University. Uh, we, with the editors of Human Kinetics, we really struggled to try to write out an outline that wasn't overlapping the content. And that was really difficult. Um, and so that's what we did is we, we, um, we have chapters on management, communication, then we have a section on technology, and we have a whole section, a chapter on health ed, techno, uh, motivation, lifelong health and fitness, um, online uh, instruction and remote supervision, which is really uber important right now as all of my classes this semester went online. Um, wearable technology, so we have a whole section on uh, technology for assessment. Um, because of EdTPA, uh, we, I wrote a chapter on digital video editing and, and recording. Mm. Um, because that's required for a lot of teacher ed programs now is recording yourself teaching and then being able to do a little bit of editing to submit those teaching samples for ed TPA certification. So we have that in there. And then we have sections on professional development and advocacy, as well as um, legal aspects of it mm -hmm. and acquiring funding for tech. But um, we really try to have a strong online resource to supplement the textbook to keep it up to date and we hope to write um revisions of of the uh, book probably every three years but right now we're ha really happy with the way it turned out and, and it just came out a few months ago again like i think the way you organized your textbook is a you know i, th I think it was a strong way to do it considering that technology is always moving so if we talk about the latest, you know, piece of, you know, technology, even by the time it's published, it might not be relevant anymore. And obviously you have examples all throughout, but the way that you structured mm -hmm. it, I thought was excellent. And, and we'll definitely nice. talk, and I definitely want to talk about assistive technology, um, because even the way that you, you structured that into talking about, we'll talk about the low, mid, and high techs in a minute but let before we circle to that and i and you'll see i kind of dart sometimes in the, the conversations you mentioned this anti-technology trend in our field <laughs> uh i, I want to hit on that because I, I i was talking to someone earlier today is that you know our our field is at a disadvantage right now in some ways uh although i think physical education might have come to the forefront or could come to the forefront of being important as far as content goes right now mm -hmm. Um, we have been pretty, um, compared to other areas, you know, I, we're behind the, the eight ball, uh, on technology. And I think some of it comes from the sentiment of being anti-technology. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, your perceptions towards why, you know, that, that kind of culture that we have and, and, you know, if, and how we can break through. Yeah, so um, one of my big research lines is um, on motion-based video gaming mm -hmm. and the integration of that into uh, physical education. And so that, um, that type of technology is an example where when, P when physical educators, um, some hear video gaming, it, it's a switch that they turn off and it's like, how could that be any beneficial whatsoever? Because 
it's known to be sedentary, right? When you hear the term video gaming, it's video games. People will say cause, you know, the obesity epidemic. Um, <clears throat> when you try to add the um, motion base to it, so people might call it exergaming, and then you can motivate and engage more kids that might not be motivated to, to exercise through that medium of technology in the gym um, or at home, then the, we're accomplishing um, some learning objectives with, with that. And so I think that um, sometimes physical educators, health educators need to have a little bit more open mind in what is the utility of the technology and if it's something that can facilitate meeting learning objectives, then you should, um, you should try to learn to, to use it, I guess. Um, that's, that's the, the hang up is, is that, is it decreasing time on task? And is it, you know, increasing wait times, you know, with limited technology, are we standing in line and waiting to, to use something? Um, and there's always some types of costs some uh, to, to certain things. So if you want to in implement pedometers or heart rate monitors into your teaching, then number one, the teacher has to learn how to use them. And so do you want to step out of your comfort zone to a unit that you've been teaching for many, many years mm -hmm. to, hey, I... I've been doing a fitness unit and now I'm going to try to include heart rate monitors into that. And they've got to take the time for course prep essentially to learn how to use them. And then, um, you know, it's not always easy to manage that equipment um, and to, to worry about putting them on right and to worry about changing batteries. And I'm getting into the negative side of technology, but that's some of the reasons why people don't want to get into it because, you know, if you're handing out, 25 30 heart rate monitors is a good chance that you're going to have an issue with one of them that you're going to have to troubleshoot and and work through it but if the benefit of it outweighs those side of um negative sides of it then then you should you should learn how to use it i think i think though like i think that's a really you know important thing that we do need to address what are the negative things like we we shouldn't you know, and this goes for anything that we discuss and we shouldn't, yeah. you know, say everything's good and, you know, everything's bad, <laughs> you know, that, that would then put us in the same bracket as most news outlets, right? Everything's good mm -hmm. or everything's bad or politicians, you know, it's, it's, there's obvious, like we need to address, okay, here are the negative things here. Like you said, here are the positive things. Does it outweigh it now? And I also like some of the terminology that you use, which you said facilitate. I think that facilitate is a key term. Uh, we, you know, it is not replacing. Uh, you know, I, mm -hmm. you're talking about your research line. I'm, I'm starting to do stuff on learning and podcasts, right. And yep. all these things and all the, and I very, very rarely get to talk about this on this podcast. So thank you. Oh, I, <laughs> but, I want to talk to you. Yeah, go, go ahead. Cause so, I've got, I just bought a new piece of equipment on Amazon relating to that. I'd like to discuss well, with you. So the, so the, so the podcast though. So if you look at all the literature and even what I've done a little bit of is the key of this technology is not to replace teaching. It's not even to, to replace readings. It's to supplement it. It's to say, here is a resource to either prime, get someone ready to learn, uh, or it's a great way to reinforce an activity or a, a content area. Yeah, I, I, instead of interest. supplement, 
I might use the term enhance. It's, there you go. You know, yes. Because we're, we're not trying to replace something. We're trying to make it better. And so technology can help with classroom management. It can help with communication. It can help with motivation and instruction. It can really help with assessment, um, professional development, you know, yeah. And, and so I think one of the big keys is you don't use technology just to use technology so that you can try to impress, you know, the department chair or your colleagues. Hey, I'm using this technology in my class. It's I'm using this technology because of this reason. And mm -hmm. this is what my students are getting from it. That's what yeah. needs to be focused on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I just think that that, you know, I, I think people are almost sometimes a little, you know, defensive. Uh, maybe of that face to face and and right now we're in a weird time where uh, we don't really even need to sell the use of technology in our field. <laughs> it's very obvious that we need to step up in it because of what's going on right now. Um, so, you know, I think, yeah, I, I think though your textbook again, I think then adds so much that it's it's this textbook is for practitioners and for peat programs um, and it's really vital right now. So um, you know, it's a really great resource and I know you weren't planning for it to come out during a pandemic, but it, it did. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it, yeah. and one thing I thought that the, the, it was because we have a whole chapter on online instruction and remote supervision, I thought that this book sales were going to be, you know, really, really good. Um, but I think because people are so uncertain about what courses they're going to teach and then they're, I don't know if they're not wanting to branch out to create new classes on technology because if we think about the way these PEAT programs are structured a lot of them are old school in the sense that um, you ask them hey do you have a technology class they're like well we just try to have them include technology in the different methods classes that's great but you're just sort of crossing your fingers and hoping that the students learn about technology if you have a dedicated course to make sure that you're covering the facets of technology and why shouldn't they be learning about how to teach online physical education because they might be in that situation and if they're not then you're doing them a disservice to students by not having a dedicated class to make sure that you're teaching them how to include technology into mm -hmm. their teaching and yeah and I, I mean right now I'm, I'm trying to self-teach and it takes forever on a lot of stuff yeah. because I teach that class plus <laughs> I'm in this new world and as you, you might see my my uh, my right uh, behind my right um, shoulder uh, I have a green screen behind me that I've been playing around with oh, trying yeah. to get that you know I think things like that and showing our kids how to use that and be innovative uh, it, it, it's it's definitely pushing me right now and I think it is um, but Adding classes during a pandemic when, you know, you know it, obviously that's going to be something that a lot of people are going to shy away from, but it could still, I think, help people. Um, I want to talk about uh, your assistive technology chapter. Uh, so like you, uh, we were saying, you included that. First, I just want to know, like, your choice about including that. I was happy to see it uh, in the chat, in the book, and but, you know, a little surprise, so. Yeah. Sure. So um, chapter seven is called meeting special needs and abilities through technology. And when we were working on that outline, um, one of the uh, I suggested, hey, why don't we have a, a chapter on, um, you know, adapted physical education um, type of content for technology that you'd use in that. And 
one of the other co-authors were like, good luck with that as far as they thought it was too big of a task to try mm -hmm. to write. Um, and, and, I, and so I, I taught the APE, Adapted Physical Education course at Winthrop um, for several years. And so I, I was comfortable with, with writing that chapter, but I also went into it not knowing exactly what that chapter was going to turn into as, as I started, because I knew I couldn't write a book uh, about how do you teach adapted physical education in one chapter. It needed, so the way that I sort of decided to focus that was um, defining uh, levels of technology in that type of setting and then focusing it on digital tech. So um, the way that we define technology in our, in our textbook is a manner, manner of accomplishing a task using technical processes, methods, or knowledge. And so um, that's the very basic level of technology. And mm -hmm. anytime you're doing differentiated instruction, off, whether it's digital or not, you're using technology. So then we, we focused on, all right, so what's assistive technology? And we define that as services, tools, applications, equipment, and devices that help individuals compensate for disabilities by maintaining, enabling, or improving functional abilities. And um, I looked at some of the work that you've done. I've looked at um, the Hodge, Lieberman, and um, Murata textbook as well. And I sort of um, used some of your definitions of assistive tech and divided it into low, medium, and high tech. And I, def I defined low tech as um, items that didn't require a battery and it really didn't need any training to, to use or minimal training. And so using a bowling ramp or a manual wheelchair or using gripping gloves or lowering a volleyball net, that could all be considered low tech. The mid tech, it does require a battery, but it still doesn't have much training needed or many steps or processes to, to use. So like a beat ball, um, ability switch, simple talking device, um, an audio book, a laser pointer. So that's the mid tech. And then the high tech is where it's digital. So it requires a battery often and it, it can have individualized programming as well as um, specialized training to mm -hmm. use. So that would be um, a smart device like an iPad or those advanced communication devices, a powered wheelchair, um, a beat baseball kit, uh, electronic prosthesis. Those are all examples of that. Yeah. And I, I think that we are, you know, I don't think we always think about them in those, those kind of, um, those templates that you've given out or categories. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that our field's really comfortable with the low tech. Uh, you know, I think, I think that's where yes. we, we are. We do uh, a really good job is I, I know so many APE teachers that make their own equipment and they create things that are so wonderful. Um, I think it's that mid tech and high tech that we really kind of struggle sometimes to you know, be proficient at. So I, I think it's great that you've kind of outlined those and given a lot of different examples. Um, so, you know, even when I'm thinking about my, the, when I taught the adapted PE class, when you think of some of these PE programs, so not an adapted PE program, but a regular PE program that they have one adapted class, maybe it's three credits. Um, if they're not taking a technology class, then 
a lot of times it's the very first time they've ever been exposed to like an ability switch or a communication device that some if hopefully they're doing a field experience and and then they're they are all of a sudden thrown into this new world of technology and adapted um, uh, setting and they're not they've never been given any background information on it mm -hmm. so they're trusting so the, you're relying on like a five minute talk with um, the classroom teacher or the person who who brings those students to the university to to teach them and if you don't have a specific um, lecture or discussion or assignments on what's the common technology that's used for people with visual impairments or cognitive impairments, then they've never been exposed to it. And that's what I really wanted to get people to get out of this book is, hey, with physical disabilities, what are some types of digital technologies that um, people will use in a health yeah. setting, in a, in a physical education setting, you know, hearing impairments, cognitive impairments, whatever that is. Yeah, uh, I, I think, you know, uh, I, I think you're absolutely right. And even my own experience, like I didn't really see that stuff until I was in the classroom. And then, you know, I was teaching kids. Uh, and then, you know, I had to learn that stuff through paras and uh, speech and language pathologists a lot of times brought in a lot. of. That's, that was probably the biggest thing that was given to me was communication devices. Mm -hmm. uh, whether those be those Big Macs or, they, or you know, ability switches or sometimes iPads, uh, that was the things that were given to me. But I think, you know, using your textbooks and, and using this information that, you know, our PE teachers need to go out and be more active. Uh, and a lot of times there's a liaison that, that runs a assistive technology for the school district that has stuff. Um, but we, I, so for me, I teach assistive technology in my technology course. I spent about two days on it. But it, I actually kind of see it as one of the days where I get to bring in stuff and everyone oozes and ahs over it because <laughs> uh, we, we have a lot of cool stuff. Uh, we have a lot of interesting things um, like beat balls and beat bases and mm. so on and so forth. And just even going through that low, middle and high tech is an interesting concept for them. Um, all right. So I, how do you see our, our field um, of APE and PE using technology? Uh, how do you see that, you know, progressing in the next few months yeah um i mean as you know that with uh, adapted in particular um it's highly individualized to the environment to the um students that you're teaching and to the their abilities um if we're talking about so right now the, usually you're going to be in one of three situations you're going to be completely online you're going to be hybrid which means you might have some reduced face-to-face -face time with online instruction supplemented and and it's interesting the way that these different uh school districts are doing those my, my kids school district if you're doing the hybrid version you either pick the morning or the afternoon mm -hmm. as as being online and you're and so it's and then other districts are doing monday wednesday and then the other kids are coming in tuesday thursday um and the other option is uh face to face and so um it with an adapted physical education environment it would be very difficult to teach completely online for this population. Um, if we're looking at 
shape America's recommendations on online physical education, it's not recommended at the elementary level. Um, and I'll get into some reasons in a second, but you have to have some type of um, self-regulation built into that type of environment. And um, the kids need to be at a certain cognitive level to be able to maintain a motivation as yeah. well as staying on task. And it's really difficult to, to try to um, have that type of environment where a student has additional responsibility put on them, especially if there's someone that typically needs to be having additional prompting and I, assistance. I, I, I want to hear your, your thoughts on the, the elementary in a moment. I, I want to make a, a, a few things on that. And this is interesting. I don't usually get to talk about my areas of quote unquote that I'm, you know, usually writing about as much. Uh, so this yeah. is exciting, but you know, um, I, I think, I think, um, I think it matters. I think that we have, you know, we have uh, students with, with spinal cord injuries or, um, you know, cert, you know, autism sometimes or something that, that in, in with autism, I think that there's a, a possibility often that they could actually be very successful in these settings because maybe there's some, so, um, you know, um, social anxiety occurring uh, normally yeah. that maybe isn't occurring. Um, so I think it matters. And then I think what you're probably going to talk about is that, um, age is a big, big thing. And, and online learning is really been seen to be a, for adult learners. Um, and it's, you know, when we talk about a, a continuum of learners, uh, it's especially when we talk about asynchronous, meaning not happening at one time or, you know, in person or, or real time, that's been seen as the, the one area that, that, you know, adult learners are able to do it if they're motivated. Um, where, you know, elementary, like you said, I don't know if that's, we've seen anything like that. So I think when we're talking about high school, middle school, we're talking about something that's a lot further on that continuum of being able to self-regulate, to self-motivate and to stay on task, hopefully, <laughs> than mm -hmm. elementary. But I, I want to hear your thoughts on that too. Yeah. And, and, and if, if we're talking about, um, and it, uh, special education type of environment, it's got to definitely be an IEP team of um, various stakeholders and discussing what's best for that particular student in that situation. Um, so yeah, if you want to talk about uh, online PE, um, I want to read this little section um, from Shape America on their position stand on online PE. Because some, some PE teachers don't really, wouldn't think that it's recommended ever. So here's what it says online. This is shape America online physical education courses. If designed and implemented appropriately may serve as an appropriate method of instruction for students who are unable to be in school based settings, such as students located in remote geographic areas, students with special needs or working students. Online physical education courses may be particularly advantageous for schools that lack certified teachers or have inadequate facilities and equipment. So in those, those situations, they're saying that, okay, this might be appropriate to have online PE. Um, but then if you look at, um, I'll get into disadvantages of online PE, and this is from, from uh, my textbook, uh, chapter eight. 
Um, disadvantages of online PE, lack of specific research targeting online learning and health and physical education, particularly at the elementary level and really K-12. The majority of online learning research is, is at the college level. Mm -hmm. um, difficulty involved in providing online learners in asynchronous formats with real-time feedback about their performance of motor skills. That is a major issue with asynchronous instruction is that if we're trying to teach somebody how to perform motor skills and they re video record themselves and then they post it online, which that right there is a major task for some people to be able to record yeah. it and then upload it to a learning management system. But then you're not getting real time feedback. Mm -hmm. you're, the professor or the teacher might then look at it and then that's super time intensive. If you have every kid in, in the school <laughs> to give motor feedback to every student in a learning management system back on what, whether they performed it correctly or not. Now that's one, one assessment technique. Obviously you can yeah. do peer feedback. You can have self-assessment, that sort of stuff. But that's one of the other big disadvantages of online PE. And, and we're um, also uh, uh, relying on people having good video taking skills. <laughs> to yes. even see it. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, then it, Shape America says that it's not uh, typically recommended for elementary students, particularly asynchronous instruction. And then online PE or, or coaching may not be appropriate for individuals who lack competent, competency and basic motor movement patterns, i.e. elementary students and students with special needs. I mean, if, if, if we want them to do particular motor skills, they need to be at a certain level where they don't need constant feedback. And that's typically not elementary students. Elementary students, you know, this is highly individualized, but um, they are still working on their basic motor skills, locomotor movements. Yeah. And so um, it's difficult to try to, to teach that in an online environment. Absolutely. I think you just covered those things really, really well on like what are the things that we need to, uh, to do now, you know, I think that during times like this, we have to innovate, you know, we are yeah. forced to, right? <laughs> this is not a, we're not in the, the, the driver's seat really on, on a lot of these things. We're, we're making decisions, trying to save our, our profession, trying to provide students with, with the quality in, you know, I think, social aspects so big right now too uh, but all these things and so what advice would you give to a teacher especially one that maybe you know is really hesitant but is forced to go fully online or a hybrid style mm -hmm. yeah um this pe or health or what uh what, what's the teacher i would say pe i think that's normally who we got listening sure so um i would say make sure that if you're doing online PE, that you're not just assigning quote unquote busy work. Yeah. And you're not, you know, it's, um, you're trying to make it as much as you can standards based and trying to hit learning objectives and design it in a way that you um, are still following a structure. You're showing your colleagues as well as the school district that you're, you're meeting learning objectives. And um, one of the downsides, I guess, to the online environment is when you look at the research of online PE, the, they're very, very he um, heavy cognitive focused. 
So the way that they um, are doing assignments and things, it's all focused on, uh, do you know the rules of a certain sport? Or yeah, like yeah. That. It, it's, it's focused on the um, cognitive learning domain. Think about ways that you can make sure that you're implementing the psychomotor learning domain and use assessment techniques to determine whether they're doing it. So in advanced technology heavy area, you can use wearable technology and track um, physical activity patterns with, with um, a Fitbit or um, a Garmin or some of those types of things. And that might, I was obviously for um, upper levels of instruction, but mm -hmm. at the lower levels, um, you can track some of that by having the students keep training logs, but then um, don't trust the students entirely that they're doing it. You can um, try to include the parents to sign off on certain um, assignments to make sure that they're doing it that way. And, and really, what's even better is if you can involve, if, if they're at home, how can you involve the family in doing physical activities and try to include the um, their their parents and, and brothers and sisters into the the activities as well. Yeah, I think those are all really really good points. Um, yeah, you know, Seth. Uh, I, again, I, I appreciate you coming on the podcast, um, and I think we had a really good conversation about you know this online learning trend that's that's occurring. Um, you know, uh, one last final question, and I, we've kind of tackled it at the beginning is, you know, online learning is a contested area in our field. Um, how do we, you know, and I, I don't know if what the right answer is, that's not my place sure. to say this is, it should or should not be, but how do we continue moving this conversation forward? in the speed and effect, you know, quality that it needs to in, in today's day and age? Um, I think that as physical educators get more accustomed to the online environment, they will start to use pedagogies that are appropriate for that environment. So um, using digital video for uh, instruction as well as assessments, using um, synchronous video conferencing with classes and individuals, um, facilitating peer interaction with discussion boards or with, you know, Zoom lessons, um, that will certainly uh, facilitate things. Um, and I guess being comfortable with a learning management system and mm -hmm. the tools that those are available so that you can use some of the techniques that a learning, learning management system offers to reduce your load. I guess, of, of the amount of um, teaching and assessment that you would be doing. So some of the, some of the feedback that you can provide is digitized um, and it's automatic, which is one of the benefits of, uh, of online instruction. So when you're, when you're modeling something in a, a physical education class and you're demonstrating something, some student may not quite get what, what you, you just did. And in a video, you, you can hit rewind, you can pause. And so that's one of the benefits of, of online instruction is, is that it's highly individualized in that mm -hmm. sense where the students can pace through something um, what's appropriate for them. And so um, I, I don't 
want to say that uh, online instruction is something that we should not do because right now we're, we're forced to do it. It's not always the most beneficial in certain environments and particularly at the elementary level, but um, do, do the best that you can and take advantage of Twitter and um, your instructional technologist at your, at your institution um, and those other people who have experience with online instruction and uh, collaborate and, and figure out what are the, the best practices to, to make sure that you're hitting learning objectives um, with your students. Hmm. Excellent. Those are really good points. Um, well, thank you, Seth, for coming on and, and talking about this super important topic on this podcast. And, and again, uh, your, your book is called Technology for Physical Educators, Health Educators, and Coaches Through Human Kinetics. And uh, I, I, I have it. I'm using it in my class. And I'm excited for my, my students and I to start really, really using it. So thank you again for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you, Scott. And um, one last thing uh, relating to podcasts and, and technology. So I just ordered a new Garmin watch, the Garmin um, 640. I don't know if you've seen 640 music. You can actually download um, from Spotify or Amazon music 500 songs on your watch. So you don't have to um, run with the phone. And then have you seen these Aftershocks headphones? Mm -hmm. So it used bone conduction technology so that you can hear ambient noises when you're running outside. I, I, was a, I ran collegiately cross country and track. And so I still run distance. And so I'm looking forward to, to moving on to the, the day where we'll be able to download the podcast onto the watch and then through Bluetooth wirelessly using those types of of headphones and we can um, not have to worry about running with a, with a cell phone. <laughs> I, I think that's, that's a very good idea. Cause yeah, I'm usually holding mine in my hand, which is like probably, you know, I've done the things with the straps and stuff on my arms and like, it just never seems to work for me, but I don't know. So no, you need yeah. uh, Google spy belt, S P I B E L T. It's, it's an elastic um, belt that goes around the waist. And those are a whole lot better than trying Got to it. hold it or um, put it on the arm and they're water resistant. So you're, when you get your phone out of the, out of it later, it's not like sweat all over your cell phone. Got it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I might have to do that one. Well, thanks for, for that tip. And uh, yeah, thank you again, <laughs> Seth. All right. Take care, right. Scott. Thank you.